most libertarians have Bitcoin wrong. A lot of libertarians think that Bitcoin is going to save the world and, and, and be a, a disruptive technology that overthrows the current power structure that be. And, and yeah, none of that is real. My name is Matthew Spazzitti, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti Program. We talk about financial freedom and economics. I hope you guys are having a great week this week. So far, my week has, uh, you know, I mean, it's only Monday, so it hasn't it hasn't been too bad. You know, not not too bad, but there are there are some things that I kind of wanted to talk with you guys about. Th- some stuff that might be changing with the show and everything, and I'm going to explain a little bit why I'm going to be changing some stuff. Don't worry, it's nothing going to be it's not going to be anything too big or anything. It's just it, it really has to do more with the length of the show and and stuff of that nature. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to go ahead and ask you guys for a favor. If you guys are loving what I'm doing here and you're absolutely loving the show, then please go leave me a rating review on iTunes. Make sure also to like and subscribe. And if you're loving what I'm doing, then make sure to share the show. Ladies and gentlemen, The if you like the show a lot, you like the message that I'm throwing out there, that I'm preaching, and you ultimately you like me and you like what I'm doing here, then those are some of the best ways that you guys can help support me. You know, if you don't want to support me financially speaking, you know, those are the best ways. If you want to support me financially speaking, you can subscribe and become a a subscribing listener to the show. You'll get access to the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group. Um, I'm not going to be doing the Liberty Informant anymore. Uh, So let's go ahead and, and jump into the changes that are actually occurring to the show real quick before we get into the topic at hand, okay? So, uh, the changes that are that I'm I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'm not going to be doing the Liberty Informant anymore. I'm really sad that I'm not going to be doing it. I, I I actually genuinely enjoyed the Liberty Informant, but unfortunately, it was a lot of extra work, and I just don't feel like it's really what I want to do long term. I I wanted to do it because I wanted to create more content, and I thought it was a great way to create more content and to just spread the message of Austrian economics libertarianism and liberty in general. I thought it would be a great way to do that. Even though they weren't my blogs that I was writing, I thought it would be really, really good. And I also thought that you guys would enjoy reading some shorter form content and stuff. I'm a big, uh, a big supporter of long form content. For those of you who don't know, I love long form content. I think it is absolutely a great way to do content. And, And there's a lot of people out there that don't. There's a lot of people out there that think that we need to constantly be reducing how long our content is and how we need to effectively be, you know, doing shorter content because people's attention spans are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And while there are some people out there, there's there are a big group of people out there whose attention span is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't think that that's necessary. 
you know, that's not every single person. There's a lot of people out there where they want to consume more information. They they want more content. They When they find someone that they love, they want more and more from them. They don't want less and less. I mean, look at Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is absolutely huge. And his episodes are like two to three hours. The people who are really dedicated to his show will literally just, if they don't have time to listen to it all in one sitting, they will just chop it up and they'll listen to it throughout their week or throughout their day. And that's how people do it. But so with that stated, when it came to Liberty Informant, I thought it would be nice to give you a little bit of some short-term content or short form just to see what you guys, whether you liked it. And the download numbers were actually pretty good for it. Uh, the download numbers were not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It kind of depended on the topic overall that the article was, but for the most part, you guys did seem to enjoy it. I hate to take it away, but unfortunately, my time is incredibly limited. With that stated, I've come to the conclusion that either I need to do A, produce one long episode a week, or B, I need to produce two shorter episodes a week. So I like the idea of doing two episodes and not doing one. So here's, so I'm going to be trying to do my ep- two episodes a week and they're going to be somewhere around 30 to 45 minutes. That's my, that's my, my goal. That's what I'm going to try to do. I oftentimes get on lots of tangents and I end up talking about stuff that in, in complete honesty uh, was never what I intended to talk about. It's just who I am. I love to talk. I mean, who doesn't love to talk? But I, I, I take that to a whole new level. So, you know, uh, but anyways, so with that said, I'm going to try to continue to do two episodes a week, but they're just going to be anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes. And honestly, they're probably going to run over that. But uh, as long as they're not an hour or, you know, s- stuff of that nature. So I'm going to try and see what I see if I can do that. If not, then I might have to go down to just one episode, one long episode a week and uh, go from there. But I, I really don't want to do that. I like doing two episodes a week. If I had my way, I would at least do probably two or three episodes a week. But unfortunately, it's just I'm not doing what I need to do in order to, you know, <laughs> make the make lots of money, make the monies. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, with that said, that's that's a uh, so we're going to be uh, stopping the Liberty Informant and we're going to be going and we're going to be reducing the the overall time of the episodes and see see how that goes and, and see what happens. So those are the changes that are going to be happening. I'm not going anywhere. I still love this podcast. I'm still, you know you know, gung-ho for it and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I got to find a way where I can do backtesting much, much more consistently throughout the week instead of just one or two days. It needs to be a lot more, like almost every single day. And I need to be spending hours in it. And this show gets in the way of that. So I'm not going to can the show, but I need to start cutting back a little bit so that I can go ahead and get that stuff done. And, you know, I don't know, maybe one day I thought about recording me doing, you know, this back testing stuff. So those of you who are interested can check it out. The problem is, I mean, I, I don't know that would, again, it would add more to my plate. Cause when you record an episode, you don't just simply upload it to YouTube. You got to come up with a thumbnail, a title, keywords, you are, you know, you got to tag the video with all these keywords and stuff. You got to come up with a description. You got to, you got to do a lot of different stuff. If you don't do that stuff, then your videos aren't going to get very far. And on top of that, if you're not on camera, the, the amount of people who will actually watch the video all the way through, particularly if it's a long video are few and far between, right? So, so anyways, uh, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to create YouTube videos of that. I would love to do that. I would love to show you guys that, but, um, I I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Probably not uh, more, more than likely not. But anyways, with that stated, 
I wanted today to talk about Bitcoin. All right. So Bitcoin is just going through the roof. If Bitcoin went into the $50,000 range, fell to $42,000, and then soared right back to $48,000 again due to an article that the investment division of Citibank basically came out with. And you're seeing this a lot more often. Every time Bitcoin goes down, you're seeing a slurry of news just constantly come out. So we're going to be talking about that more in the episode. But, you know, I wanted to talk about how I'm how I look at cryptocurrency, what my feelings are on it, what my plan is for. So I really, really want to get involved in crypto. And then we're going to talk about, you know, what's going on in Bitcoin, in cryptocurrencies in general, but in Bitcoin and all, all the, the innovation and all that kind of stuff that's happening and, and, and where I see it all going. So we got a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and hop into that. So how do I treat crypto? A lot of people look at crypto as it's a medium of exchange or it's it's some kind of currency. And I don't view it that way. I view crypto as an asset. It's a speculative asset. It is a it is a medium of exchange. You can buy things with Bitcoin. You can even buy things with Ethereum. And there are other cryptocurrencies that you can buy stuff with. So they are you know, Bitcoin in particular is a medium of exchange. But it's not a, a money, right? A money is a mass-adopted medium of exchange. That's not what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is not a mass-adopted medium of exchange, at least not yet. And I truly believe that if it becomes that way, that the government will simply outlaw it. But we'll get to that. We'll get more to that, you know, uh, later on in the episode. But so that's how I feel about crypto long term. I feel like crypto. I'm very bullish on Bitcoin and crypto in general. I'm very, very bullish on it. I think that there's, you know, we got some time before the government comes out and and nixes it like it did with gold. But I think that you know, overall, there's a lot of positive things coming out about Bitcoin. So, you know, Bitcoin's been going up in value. So you guys are probably wondering why that is. And I, I'm sure there's tons of people who have been talking about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm no different. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be giving my personal opinions on the subject and, you know, just kind of weighing in on it. So, you know, like I said earlier, every single time you see Bitcoin fall a little bit, you see a slurry of news come out that ends up propping the coin up. Like uh, earlier to this week, you know, again, you know, Bitcoin fell to 42000 It was in the $50,000 range. And I don't remember the highs of Bitcoin and whatnot, but it was not it was in the $50,000 range. I think it even broke above 50000 And But then it started to fall. And it kind of created a bit of a support level at 42000 and a coin. And then Citibank, the, the investment division of Citibank, came out and said that Bitcoin could be the start of a massive transformation into becoming the currency of choice for international trade. And when Citi did that, Bitcoin skyrocketed to $48,000 a coin. Interesting how that works. Now, this isn't the only instance in which this has worked. Every single time, or maybe not every time, but a lot, but a lot of times recently when Bitcoin seems to lose momentum, People end up come. There's institutions that end up coming out, you know, that say, "Oh, well, this company bought some coins, or this company is accepting it into their their framework." Like, for example, Tesla accepts Bitcoin now to purchase that you can use with regards to purchasing Tesla vehicles. Crazy, crazy. You know, you can now buy a car with Bitcoin. Elon, I think, even bought some Bitcoin as well. When news of that came out, it spiked Bitcoin. 
PayPal has uh, recently, I mean, uh, granted, it's, I think it's been a couple months now, but Bit PayPal came out saying that they now support Bitcoin. You can buy and sell Bitcoin with PayPal. Apple added Bitcoin to its framework, which allows people to transact with Apple. Now, that's a, and MasterCard did the same thing. I, I think it was MasterCard, uh, but I think both Apple and MasterCard came out and did the same thing. Yeah. They're the what they're doing is a little different than than what PayPal is doing. Okay, PayPal. One of the reasons that spiked the uh, you know the price of Bitcoin was because every the way PayPal works. If PayPal allows you to buy or sell Bitcoin, then that means that they actually have to have that amount of money on hand as a reserve. Okay, so PayPal currency is a one for one exchange for. You know, if you have a dollar in PayPal, PayPal possesses one U.S. dollar in reserves. Okay, it's kind of the way uh, banks kind of tend to work. So if you buy Bitcoin, then they have to have Bitcoin as a reserve. So at least this is as far as I understand. So PayPal actually keeps the reserves of, of your money on hand in case you want it, in case you want to pull money out of PayPal, right? So when if PayPal allows and supports Bitcoin, that just means they have to buy a lot of Bitcoin to hold on reserve. Okay, so whereas Apple and Mastercard, uh, they're they're not doing that. They're just allowing people to spend uh, Bitcoin through their system. I think Mastercard is working with BitPay or something like that, and that's how they're kind of allowing it to work. But Apple is actually allowing people to transact with Bitcoin with Apple Pay. They don't actually hold the currency as a reserve inside their system. That's not what they, that's not how that works. So, you know, they don't have to buy Bitcoin, but still this makes it easier to transact in Bitcoin. So this is a positive thing. And, and both of these events ended up spiking the value of Bitcoin. And on top of all of that, you know, there have been other tons of other companies that have been silently buying Bitcoin, big corporations, big financial institutions, non-financial institutions. There's just been a of companies out there that have been purchasing Bitcoin and they've been doing it kind of not really secretly, I guess you could say, but very silently. They have not been talking a lot about this. And now there's all this news of, of all these different big corporations coming out, you know, come, you know, uh, buying Bitcoins and adding it to their framework and stuff. This is, this is very positive news. This is great. I, I love all this kind of stuff. When this stuff happens, it just, it, it's amazing because I think the, the world in general, but our country, the United States, as well as any country that you're in, you know, the, if your country is an inflationist, which most countries these days, particularly Western nations, are inflationists, then the world needs another currency, another medium of exchange that can be adopted, and that is more deflationary than inflationary, right? Because there's only a limited number of Bitcoin that can never be created, so the value of Bitcoin will simply rise. So, and because it's infinitely divisible, it could be used as a currency. And this is what a lot of libertarians want. And, you know, I, I want it too. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I want it. So I think overall that Bitcoin is going to continue to go higher and more, as more and more news is going to continue to prop up the price of Bitcoin. Anytime Bitcoin goes down, I think at some point they're, they're not going to let it totally tank because here's the thing. You know, Citibank came out with an article, you know, propping, you know, talking about good things when it comes to Bitcoin, right? It becoming a, 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 stand, a currency of choice 
for international trade in, in City's words. Why do you think City did that? Do you think they did it because they they actually believe in the very foundations of Bitcoin that it needs to, you know, dethrone the U.S. dollar and give people the choice of a better currency to to utilize? Do you, do you think that that's you know, one that's a you know one that is decentralized and not really controlled by a central government? Do you think that's why City did it? No, 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 no. You know, for a long time, people were doing nothing but attacking Bitcoin. Now, there's a lot of these big institutions are coming out promoting it. Why is that? Because now they actually have a long position. They actually have a position more than likely, and I'm, I haven't confirmed it, but I could, I almost, I could guarantee you, City has a position with Bitcoin, a very large position, and they do not want Bitcoin to fall in value. I guarantee you that now with all because there's all these this new these news items that are coming out, articles, videos coming out about Bitcoin and stuff from big institutions, anytime you see a company do that, it's because they have a stake in Bitcoin. And I'm not talking about staking your your cryptocurrencies and stuff. That's a crypto lingo for some form of investment and stuff. I'm not really sure I, I completely understand it, but that's not what I'm talking about. They have a position in Bitcoin. They they are buying Bitcoin. They've got millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Tesla accepts Bitcoin, all right? Elon, I'm pretty sure, bought Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure they came out saying that. PayPal is accepting it, supports it now. Well, uh, you know, like I just said, PayPal has some too, you know? And now granted, that's just the way that PayPal works, but Apple... You don't think Apple has any Bitcoin? They're now allowing the framework. They may possess some Bitcoin. MasterCard may own some Bitcoins, right? And again, I haven't been, I haven't confirmed any others. I haven't done a massive amount of research on it as to whether they honestly own a lot of stuff, but I guarantee you they are. It's, it's an influence tactic. They're only going to support it so long as it benefits them. Outside of that, there's really no reason for them to do so. You see, you need to understand what Bitcoin is to understand why I'm saying this. Bitcoin is a disruptive technology that te- that stands the potential to uproot the ruling class's power, to uproot their control on money, the money that you and I spend every day, right? The ruling class includes companies like Citibank, all right? Citibank is part of the ruling class. They're a massive, na- they're a massive, massive bank. They're in cahoots with the Federal Reserve, which is just a cartel of all the largest banks. They're all coming together and they form one massive central bank, right? Guarantee you that's what's going on. So it doesn't make a lot of sense that big companies that are, that are, I guess you could say status, they're in favor of the current system and the status quo. It doesn't make any sense that they would automatically start to be supporting this. Why? Because they now stand to benefit from it, right? And I think there's a a much more deeper reasoning for this. You see, I think that as more and more companies come out with more, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more and more companies come out with new technology to make Bitcoin easier to use and transact with. But like I said before, I think that Bitcoin is too, as it becomes too powerful, too popular, the powers that be will come up with their own form of digital currencies, their own cryptocurrencies, and then they will outlaw Bitcoin like the government did with gold in the past. You know, the government came out and at one point in time, you could you could literally exchange your gold for money or you could literally exchange your money for gold. 
you know, the, the dollar was backed by gold in the past. And then it became, and then they, they changed the rules to where, well, only the, the government could exchange its money for gold. And then they ended what is what was known as the gold standard, which did not cause the Great Depression, by the way. The Great Depression was caused by a whole host of other things. But I will say that unhinging the connection between the gold and the dollar from each other, taking away that connection and no longer exchanging dollars for gold and that kind of stuff, that did probably hurt the dollar exponentially because that just meant they were just going to print, 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 print. But it didn't cause the Great Depression. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. But anyways, that's what they did. Once they stopped allowing you to exchange your dollars into gold, they made gold illegal to have. And it was illegal for a long time. But with that stated, though, Bitcoin will one day become illegal. And I'm convinced of that, by the way. I'm absolutely convinced that Bitcoin will be illegal one day. And they will. And when the government made gold illegal to hold... They basically stated that, that you could trade your gold in, we will pay you for your gold at a fixed price. And that's what they did. It was a way for big institutions that held gold to cash out. And it was a way for the government to increase its gold holdings. Now, of course, there were some people that secretly kept their gold uh, hidden away and, and whatnot. But Bitcoin is digital. Okay, there are very few ways for you to purchase Bitcoin without anybody knowing about it. And and it's not really anonymous. It's digital. It's on the ledger. Everyone, anyone who looks at the ledger can see that you purchased Bitcoin and that you possess a certain amount of Bitcoin. Right now, I don't know if they can identify you, but they know you have Bitcoin because otherwise, how would you be able to transact in it? The idea of Bitcoin was supposed supposed to be a peer to peer medium of exchange where you could engage in fi- in financial transactions without knowing or even having to trust the other party that you're engaging in. That was the idea behind it. It was also the idea of a currency that was more deflationary, that was going to rise in value, that there was only a certain number of coins so that it would never really, uh, it wouldn't become inflated. You know, you couldn't just create more Bitcoin out of thin air. So there was that too. Okay. There was absolutely that. But the idea of Bitcoin was that I could trade with you. I could buy something from you and I don't even have to trust you. And you don't even have to trust me. You don't have to trust the fact that I have the money. You don't have to go through a bank to confirm that I have the money because the blockchain confirms that. So you're not really anonymous, technically speaking, if you own Bitcoin. On top of that, let's think of all the other third-party risks. If you buy Bitcoin through a licensed and uh, th- through a licensed and legal broker, the know your customer laws start to come into effect. They have to know who you are. They got to have your social security number. Okay. They have to start collecting data on you in order to allow to let you buy Bitcoin. And let's be honest, even if they didn't, if you're transacting with a, a bank debit card or credit card, clearly the transaction is on the bank's transactional history. They can see, oh, he spent money at this big, at this cryptocurrency, you know, institution that buys and sells cryptocurrency that allows people to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. Huh? I wonder what he spent his money on. 
It's not difficult, ladies and gentlemen. It just isn't. So the reason I bring that up is that if they make it illegal, unlike gold, where I could technically get, take out some cash and I could go to a gold and silver shop, I know of one nearby, they, they buy and sell gold and silver, bullion coins, all kinds of stuff. I could go to them and I could buy in cash and nobody would know that I possess it. All the bank would have a history of is that I went and I, I took out some money. And all the company would know is that I paid them with my I paid them with cash. You see, no none of these parties would know where the money came from. They just know that I had the money. Right? It's a way of purchasing stuff anonymously. And it's the only way to do this. If you do anything digitally, whether you are buying Bitcoin or not, you are not. I mean, there are decentralized uh, exchanges that you can buy from where basically there are people that come together and they're engaging in peer-to-peer transactions. Basically, one individual wants to sell his cryptocurrencies. He wants to sell this many there he wants to jack up the price so he that he makes some money off the sale and you agree to it and then you either meet up with somebody in order to do it to make the transaction that is much much more that is much more anonymous because you meet up with somebody they've got a certain amount of coins they're going to transfer their coins to your wallet but you need to give them cash in hand and, and actually see them do it. But it takes a lot more trust to know that someone's actually going to do that. And it's not, and if everyone had to do that, then it wouldn't be accepted. So ladies and gentlemen, I guess we're going down a rabbit hole here. The reason, if they make Bitcoin illegal, I really don't know if you would, if you would be able to buy Bitcoin again. I, I don't know. I guess if you had a hardware wallet, cold storage, you know, like a like a Trezor or 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 Ledger, these are actual like electronic devices that only st- that help you store and manage your Bitcoin in a wallet that's actually inside of this device, and it's all and it's not connected to the internet in any which way, shape, or form. It's the safest way. They call this air computers or something. Uh, I think it's air computers or whatnot. Basically, it's a tiny little computer that has air between it with a computer that's actually connected to the internet. Uh, This is uh, one of, it's not a new concept. It's been around for a while. Like if you wanted to have a smart TV or if you wanted to buy a TV, but you don't like the idea of having a smart TV because you don't want someone to hack your TV and watch you and your, your, your family on the webcam that your TV now has, or you don't want someone to hack it and listen into the the microphone that your smart TV has. This is a concern that I have all the time, right? It's a huge concern that I have. These devices are represent the Internet of Things, and they're not normally protected against this kind of hacking. It's actually not that difficult for hackers to hack into these type of devices. So what what can you do? Well. You disconnect it from the internet. You 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 do not you turn off the internet device and you disconnect it. If you really wanted to be thorough, you open up the computer, you open up the TV, you find the the, the motherboard that the that has the Wi-Fi chip on it that distributes a Wi-Fi signal, you take that out. 
you take out the capabilities to connect to the internet. You you man you physically manually do it. I mean, what about ele- what about cars that have access to the internet? Who's to prevent? I mean, yeah, sure, cars have GPS systems in them. So do phones. The only way that you can get hacked remotely is if someone has access to the internet and your device has access to the internet. So the way to fix that is to sever that link. You can turn it off hoping that no one knows how to turn it on, but you, you, but ultimately the only way to do it is to sever the link entirely. The reason I mention cars is because, you know, with the ideas of the, these electric cars, the brakes, the steering, everything is basically fly by wire. Everything is done through a wire. If someone was to hack your car, they could shut your car down. They could prevent you from driving to any particular location. Now, while this has implications with regards to hackers, it's really more concerning when it comes to the government. Because you don't think the government's going to have access to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once it's mass adopted and so many people have it, they're going to definitely have that information. They're going to be tracking where you're going. They're going to be, no, you know, they're, they're going to want to know. They're going to, if there's information out there on you, on what you're doing with you and your life, they're going to want it. Look, we are living in a country that is steadily declining, that's easily going down the path of authoritarianism. It's not a matter of if, ladies and gentlemen, it is happening and it will continue to happen. And there is nothing that you or I can do anything about it. And I know that's a depressing message. The only thing that you and I can do is become as financially free as we possibly can so that we can leave when that happens. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it is inevitable. That's why I don't spend a lot of time talking about how we can fix things politically, because I don't think that's possible. Nothing politically is going to change. The only thing you can fix is you. Your voting is not going to do a thing. You know, getting involved in grassroots movement is not going to do a thing. The Libertarian Party is not going to have any effect. You're not going to be able to take control of the Libertarian Party. I know there's a lot of Libertarians who are talking about taking back the Libertarian Party and fixing politics. Even if you could take the Libertarian Party back, it would have no effect on the outcome of the direction of this country. What is happening is set in stone, all right? I I am convinced of that. What is happening cannot be altered. The direction will not be changed. There is way too much power and money with the system currently sitting the way that it is. It's not going to change. Now, you can either get depressed about that or you could say, okay, well, I'm not going to care about that. I'm going to focus on myself, become financially free so that if anything does happen, you know, God forbid, I'll be able to go and, and live wherever I want and still preserve my freedom. Or if, you know, if that stuff happens, I could, I could be at least rich and wealthy enough to where I can be part of the ruling class and I can be, you know, I could kind of omit myself and, and, and not have to adhere to all of that stuff. Right? So look, we're getting off on a tangent. Okay. But look, this is what I think Bitcoin's going. I think it's going to be outlawed if, when it starts to pose a very real threat to the current system. But why would, so why would, let's go back to the original question that I asked. Why would the ruling class do this? Why would the ruling class, uh, you know, start promoting this kind of stuff? It's because they're trying to condition society, in my opinion, to be comfortable and to be okay with transacting with digital currencies and only digital currencies. That's what I think they're trying to do. I think they're trying to condition us and to get us. They're probably going to allow you to transact with Bitcoin for a time. But as Bitcoin becomes more and more powerful, 
Gresham's law it will, will take effect, which is basically where bad money will drive out good money. The bad money, meaning the U.S. dollar, will one day drive out good money like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is good money, in my opinion. It's decentralized, or at least more so than the federal government. It's It has a, a limited amount that can be created. Now, granted, there aren't that many transactions that are done in Bitcoin, okay? Not that many, no, especially when you, when you compare it to Ethereum. Ethereum has way more transactions that occur on a daily basis within 24 hours than that of Bitcoin. But still, Bitcoin's a good, it's a good currency. And, but unfortunately, bad money drives out good money. The U.S. dollar will eventually drive out Bitcoin. And now, granted, Gresham's Law is really more of a natural process. Now, I don't think Gresham's Law uh, refers to governments effectively, you know, mandating and making it illegal to do it. But, you know, that I think that's, I kind of view that as being kind of part of the process. But I don't think that's exactly what Gresham's Law was talking about. Okay. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, look, I think that this is why they're doing this. I think that this is ultimately why lots of people, lots of big institutions are supporting Bitcoin. I think it's for the nature of conditioning us to transact in cryptocurrencies, it just in digital currencies in general. Once they do this, you will start to see uh, cash disappear. It's kind of already happening. Some some of these big inst- big banks that exist in America are literally doing this. There was one bank, I, gosh, I can't remember if it was like Capital One or there, there was a big bank in America that actually took away the $100 bill in Australia, I think. I think it was a $100 bill in Australia or something of that nature. These banks are part of the ruling class and they have forever wanted to turn currency digital. So that they can manipulate it and you can't hide from it. If you try to transfer your money into gold or silver, they'll say, nope, not allowed to do that. Sorry, you're stuck. You're screwed. If they don't like you, then they could literally say, we don't want to allow you to spend our mo- to spend the money anymore. We're going to cut you off. Good luck. If, if it's digital, there's nothing you can do about it. If it's digital, they can see and control everything. It's very, very dangerous, and it's, I wish we were in a different environment. The best thing I can think of is largely that we need to leave, have the ability to leave the country where it's not illegal to transact in Bitcoin, where it's not illegal to transact in any form of cryptocurrency, a country that values our freedoms and our liberties. Because there will be countries, ladies and gentlemen, that do that. There are countries to this day that are freer and value your freedom and liberty and your money more than America does. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me and my family right now, when I, when I finally become financially free and I finally make enough money to where I can live anywhere I want in the world and I can provide a very comfortable lifestyle, I'm, I'm legitimately looking at like Panama, Mexico. You know, growing up in Texas, I was always taught that Mexico was nothing but a place of drugs, crime, and, and basically human trafficking. That's kind of the narrative you hear about when it comes to Mexico on the news. It's not true. There's actually tons of really nice areas in Mexico. There are bad areas in Mexico. Most of them happen to be in, at, on the border in North Mexico on the border of America. It's where a lot of that stuff goes down. But 
there are areas in Mexico that are perfectly fine, perfectly safe, and you can be re- you you can be pretty assured that you're going to be okay. Again, there are lots of countries that you can go run to that value your freedom, where the government simply is not powerful enough to take away the freedoms that you you possess. Some governments don't want to take away the freedoms you possess. Some do, but don't have the the, ne- the necessary resources to do it. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be for the episode. So, you know, real quick, you know, what should you do? All right. I think this is overall, this is a positive thing for cryptocurrencies. I do think that this will give people the ability to enjoy it for a while, but in the end, I think it will be outlawed at some point in time in the future. Okay. I think it will be, but that said, I think we're still in the early stages. So I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know how many years down the road that's going to be. I think we're in the early stages. So for me personally, what I'm doing is I'm getting my, I just bought my ledger nano X, which is a a hardware wallet that I've heard really, really good stuff about. And, uh, you know, I I really, really, it's one of the most popular. Some people say it was the very first hardware wallet. I, I don't know, but it's very, very popular. So I'm going to go ahead and I went ahead and bought one and I'm going to start to build up my, my cryptocurrency portfolio and I'm going to get a little bit of Bitcoin. You know, I can't afford one coin. So, you know, probably fractions of a coin is what I'm going to be able to do. I'm going to try to get a whole Ethereum if I can. And then of course I'm going to do so I'm going to diversify, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to diversify. I'm going to get in, but I'm going to share my journey with you guys. So if you're interested, I will show you guys how to do it. Heck, I might even create a video on my YouTube channel showing you how I do it. But I think this does not come. Okay. I am not going to recommend to you to go and get in Bitcoin or go and go try out a a brokerage or an exchange. I'm actually going to go with Kraken. Um, that's not a recommendation. I'm just letting you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the, le- the the Nano Ledger X, and I'm going to that that's going to be my wa- my my hardware wallet. And but I'm going to probably be doing the transactions through Kraken. I know that they track my data and my transactions, but at least Kraken is honest and is very has so far been very open with what they're doing with the information. So I know it's a centralized exchange, but frankly, I just don't know if I feel comfortable enough in this area in order to do the the decentralized exchanges. And to meet up with people and to trust other people, I have a hard time with that stuff. So I don't know if you guys are doing any of that, if you're in the cryptocurrency space and you guys are using decentralized exchanges and you could, you know, kind of, you know, shed some light on that, go ahead and email me, you know, via Matthew at newmillenniumwealth.com. I I would love to hear from you. I think that would be really great. And I'm just trying to gather as much information as I can. I've been researching this stuff for a while. So in terms of centralized exchanges, you know, definitely Kraken seems to be the way to go. And then on top of that, you know, Ledger Nano X seems to be the way to go. So that's that's what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to, I'm not recommending to you guys to get involved in cryptocurrency, okay? This is not a recommendation of any kind. This is just be used as educational purposes only, okay? I'm not a licensed individual. There is a lot of risk. You could lose all your money and more than likely will. So don't trust anything I have to say. There, there, there's your stupid overlord disclaimer. Okay. There's the, uh, making the overlords happy there. All right. But, but seriously though, I, I will be continuing to inform you guys on the journey of, of cryptocurrency of, for me, my cryptocurrency, just like everything else that I'm doing. I, this is the point of the show to show you guys what I'm doing. And if you guys are interested in wanting to know how I do, how I'm doing it, I will, I will let you guys know. I will put together content for you guys to see how I'm doing it. 
And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty interesting and whatnot, and and we'll go from there. But ladies and gentlemen, if you guys want to get into cryptocurrencies, that's something you're gonna have to make a decision on your own. But that's where I see cryptocurrencies going. Okay, I don't know if all cryptocurrencies will be outlawed, but I think Bitcoin at some point in time, as it becomes more popular and it starts to challenge the hegemony of the that is the U.S. dollar and the throne of the U.S. dollar, it will, I think, inevitably be outlawed at some point. Now, does that mean all cryptocurrencies? I don't know. I have no idea. And I also don't know when that day will come. But that's where I think Bitcoin is heading. But right now, you're getting, you know, the price I think is, I'm bullish on it. I think the price is going to continue to go higher, particularly if all these newest items continue to prop up or, you know, you know, prop up the price and everything. I think as long as that stuff continues, I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin. So I think at least for a time, there's going to be a way to make money off it. So I'm, that's what I'm going to try to do. So again, if you decide to get involved, tread lightly, do your research, make sure you understand, you know, trading and investing and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Make sure you're not just, you know, throwing your money out there. You work hard for your money, right? Okay. You work hard for your money. Don't waste it. Be very, I know it's being devalued by the, for the freaking fed and the government. I get that, but don't waste it. Okay. It's a, it's not something you want to do. So, and you know, if you guys are interested, I, I will, you know, maybe, you know, if I like the Ledger Nano X, I might just become an affiliate for them. And, you know, if you guys want to support the show, you, you could use my affiliate link for them. Again, it would not be a recommendation to do that, but, you know, simply merely that if you, if you like the show, you want to support it and you also like the idea, consider using the, the links. And if for Kraken, I might do the same thing with Kraken as well. It will not be a recommendation. Okay. You need to make that decision for yourself, but again, a way to support the show if you want to get involved. So I'm not an affiliate with them yet. So I probably will if I like their stuff, but I really want to get in there. I really want to, you know, kind of mess around with it, see what I think about it. I may not like it enough to really join their affiliate program. So I don't know. So, but anyways, look, that's my opinion. That's where I think Bitcoin's going. And I, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. I think there's a lot of, of potential there. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we are already over. Like I said, was probably going to happen, but we're still under the time, the, the hour and, and the typical shows that I was doing. So that's going to be it for the episode. I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming here. If you like the show, make sure to like, subscribe. Please make sure to share the show if you like it. You know, if you're on social media, just hit that share button. It doesn't take you guys any real effort. It doesn't really show you guys. I mean, if you guys are part of any kind of libertarian groups or, you know, trading or financial groups, and hey, if you are allowed to share the content, share it in those groups. Help me grow the show. Guys, I'm only going to grow because you guys love it and you guys are sharing the show and spreading the message, okay? The message of financial freedom, the live in the liberty lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. If you like that message and you're sharing it, that's how we grow. So if you guys love it, please share it, continue to share it. And then also make sure to to, uh, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review so that uh, we can get the show a bit more visible on the rankings. It's always, always a plus. It also shows that there are people who are enjoying the show itself. So that's really, really important. So with that stated, if you, uh, if you like what we're doing, then please, uh, go, go leave a rating review there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good one. I thought it was very, very informative and it was fun to talk about. I love talking about Bitcoin and trading and investing and all kinds of stuff. So with all of that said, if you'll do all of that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.